0: We talking about practice, not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. It's my team.
1: It's my quarterback. The okay. kick. It is
0: God. Oh God. God. God, God,
1: God. beat the man,
0: you gotta beat the man.
1: This is the Powers on Sports Podcast. Welcome back to the Powers on Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jason, down in Tampa. Thanks for finding us. We have hit the dog days of sweltering August here in the in the in Florida, and I'm sure wherever you're listening to our podcast from too, it's hot there too. July, the hottest month on record in Tampa. August is off to a sweltering start itself. So we are getting into the dog days. Training camp underway. All the teams will have their first preseason game at least this weekend. Some a couple of teams, Jacksonville and and the Raiders, played last weekend uh, over last Thursday in Canton. But all the other teams will kick off their preseason schedules this weekend, starting Thursday night. Remember, there's only three preseason games this year, so one less game to have to have to uh, endure because preseason, as we know, in the last ten years, has just been awful. Unfortunately, you will not see most of your star players most likely this week in a lot of these preseason games. I know down here in Tampa, Tom Brady won't be playing. I know Aaron Rodgers isn't playing, so you won't see a lot of the big big name players. Week two is probably when you will see those guys play a quarter or so to get uh, little little their sea legs under them. But again, training camp is—we right, are in the heart of training camp. Most teams probably have one more week of training camp. They typically break camp before that second week of that second game, so um, they'll be back in their homes and all that stuff, and they won't have to be living in the hotels and at least the veteran players and such. So, remember, rosters don't get trimmed until after the third preseason game. So you're not going to have a cut down until the last after the last game. Unlike years past, and they used to do cutdowns halfway through training camp. So, uh, again, not much to be on the lookout for. Again, if you do see some star players playing this week, that might tell you that their coaches aren't very happy with them. Potentially trade, trade bait, something like that. Who knows? We'll see. But again, uh, the preseason starts. And again, week one of the National Football League will kick off the Thursday after Labor Day with, I think it's Buffalo and the Rams out in SoFi. So, want to wish a happy first day of school to all of our moms, teachers, administrators, coaches, everybody out there. School starts in Tampa here on Wednesday today when we're recording this. So, first day of school here in Hillsborough County. I know a lot of the kids whether it's your first day of school, first day of middle school, first day of high school, teachers, you know, everybody's excited for this, the first day of school. So uh, be safe, be nice to people, and be nice to your teachers. Don't be ma- causing problems for your teachers, conduct issues. Interject something when you have something positive to interject and be positive. So. First day of school. High school football's underway down here in, in Tampa and lots of places around the country as far as practices starting. I know for me, I have a high school game on the nineteenth, a week from Friday. So most a lot of places are start that weekend around the state of Florida and around the, the country. So it is here. High school football, another year, another year, another year. So everybody be safe, stay healthy, and all that good stuff. All right. right, let's tr- Transition to the Live Golf Tour. Had a couple of n- news and n- nuggets on the Live Golf Tour. Cam Smith, who just won the British Open, he is leaving the PGA Tour for the Live Tour. Reported hundred million dollar offer. Got Cam Smith out of there. So uh, Cam Smith gone to the Live Golf Tour. And then now there's now there's lawsuits in in effect. The Live Tour players are trying to sue to be able to play in the FedEx Cup Golf uh, PGA uh, event here coming up in the fall, which is big money events uh, for the PGA Tour. The Live Golf guys that are on the that are on the tour that have qualified for the FedEx Tour are trying to sue so they can play in those FedEx uh, events, claiming they have earned their way into the FedEx by their previous play on the PGA Tour. So we'll see how that goes. Last nugget before we get to date before we get to David Moulton. David's gonna give. David is, is uh, the spotter. He's a he host his own radio show down in the Fort Myers area. He's, he's a spotter for the CB, SEC on CBS. He also works with Troy Aikman, Joe Buck on Monday Night Football crew. You're gonna see lots of uh, David in the fall here in these primetime games. So, David's gonna join us, give us an AFC and NFC North preview. Uh, and we're also going to have Chris Bond. Chris Bond is with ACCNation.net. He's going to give us a... We're going to talk to Chris about the ACC football conference. going to do a, a preview. we got some breaking news out of Winston-Salem concerning the Wake Forest quarterback, but you'll hear all about that with our chat with Chris Bond from ACCNation.net. So, um, enjoy the podcast. Last little nugget I want to uh, drop on you is... Historic deal by the Big Ten, media rights deal. They are leaving ESPN, the Big Ten is. They are now signing on with CBS as well as NBC. They are going to fill in the CBS 330 slot that the, at CBS lost to the SEC. So that's going to be a Big Ten slot for the foreseeable future as well as NBC is going to air a primetime Big Ten game uh, as well. With this new media rights deal, so interesting that uh, the Big Ten is is hitching their wagon to Fox will be the primary Big Ten uh, uh, seller. They'll have the big time, big Big Ten game at the on the twelve o'clock slot potentially, and then you got CBS and NBC now in the mix, and ESPN is now out of the Big Ten business. They've been covering Big Ten football for a long, long time. Them and ABC combined, so kind of a big deal in the media rights world. So uh the the winds are a changing as we all know in the world of college football. So, there you have it. All right, stay tuned again right after the commercial break, you're going to hear from David Moulton as we break down the AFC and NFC North. We'll be back to the podcast in just a moment. Now, a word from Titan Home Lending. If you need to, if you are in the house purchasing business this year, this summer, Reach out to Titan Home Lending to get pre-approved. You need to be pre-approved before you start house hunting with your realtor, before you can make an offer. All sellers are going to want to know that you're pre-approved. So reach out to Titan Home Lending so you can figure out how much house you can afford based on your financial situation. FHA, VA, conventional, jumbo. If you're self-employed, we can do non-QM type loans you're a business owner and such, if your credit score is not great, we do have options for you as well. So definitely reach out to Titan Home Lending anywhere in the state of Florida that you're looking for a home from Key West to Pensacola to Jacksonville to anywhere in between. Titan Home Lending, 205-790-1404. You can search us online uh, at Titan Home Lending. We can help you get approved for your home mortgage and we'll definitely get you a very good interest rate to match along with it. So Titan home lending 205-790-1404, And ask for Jason powers.
0: All right. Welcome back
1: to the powers on sports podcast. Thanks for finding us and all the different podcast platforms that you may be listening to us. We are in the thralls of training camp underway all over the National football league. And we are doing part two of our division breakdown series. And we've got a great guest to break down both the AFC and NFC North. We're going to be talking to David Moulton. David is the host of the Miller and Moulton radio show. He also does work for Sirius XM uh, Sports Radio. He's also very much affiliated with the SEC on CBS every week on, uh, on CBS, as well as his new gig, which will extend his weekend a little bit to now, Monday night football, working with uh, ESPN and Troy Aikman
2: and Joe Buck. So, welcome back to the podcast, David. Jason, thanks for the phone call. Always nice to chat. Two divisions, huh? You're really putting me to work today.
1: <laughs> First question is What are you going to do with your extra day off e- every easier travel for you this season? You got a little Sunday to get to where you got to be without having to stress. So much about having to be somewhere.
2: Yeah, the last four years, I mean, obviously, I'm lucky to be associated with the broadcasters I get to work with. But, yeah, I was doing Thursday night, Saturday afternoon, and late Sunday afternoon football. So, uh, yeah, three games are now two. And so the travels a little easier plus Saturday and Monday it's spaced out. So I'll still be gone. You know, my wife and I will, we'll shake hands here in about five (laughs) weeks and, you know, I'll see her in mid January, but um, you know, it'll be easier on this old man. I got you. I got you. You Do great work. All right. Before we get to the
1: football, before we get to the NFL, I want to get just a quick comment on, on some of the college football stuff going on. What are your thoughts on all the realignment and, and, it's stuff that you're seeing all around the country, USC, UCLA. Uh, what's the next move? Is it Clemson? Is it Miami? Is it Florida State? Who? who just your general thoughts on all, everything going on.
2: Jason, if Notre Dame doesn't join a conference, I think it may just be USC, UCLA. I, I would turn it around on you and everybody listening and watching. You tell me the team that would get ESPN to give the SEC more money than what they're already going to give them beginning in 2024. I mean, right. who moves the needle who's out there that ESPN is saying to the SEC, hey, you got to get these guys? And you know, is it Miami? Maybe if Cristobal brings them back and they look as if they're close. Yeah, Miami moves the needle a little bit. Clemson moves the needle a little bit. But if you're ESPN, you already have Miami and Clemson. They're in the ACC. You've already got to deal with them. Right. So, and not only remember ESPN has to ante up so much money that when they divvy up the pie 16 ways, if you're going to make it 18 or 20, that all the other schools make more money that they don't make less. And I don't know that there's anybody out there now, Notre Dame joins the big 10. Which I think they would do, although the ACC thinks they would join them. You know, then all hell can break loose. Right. But to me, if Notre Dame either hangs tight or joins the ACC, I think the Big Ten and SEC look at one another and go, eh, we're good." <laughs> right. Now the Big Twelve whole Pac Twelve thing, and you know, does the Big Twelve poach them? Which I think they're going to try to do. You right. know, but to be honest, Jason, you know, if Notre Dame stays independent. We really have two super conferences, right? If Notre Dame joins the ACC, then we have three with the big 12 kind of waving their hand going, Hey, don't forget about us. Right. You know, but the other deadline to keep in mind is when are we going to have a new playoff? And it's not until 2026, the current playoff system is in place for four more years. And that's why Jason, I think the sec and the big 10 are going to hang tight. Notre Dame, I think, is going to stay status quo. NBC is going to give them the money they want, and they're going to stay. And the other two conferences are going to, you know, USC-UCLA goes one way, Oklahoma-Texas goes the other, and then they're going to negotiate whatever our new playoff system is. Right. And then once they negotiate that, then, Jason, I think all bets are off as to what could happen, but that's 2026. Great, great answer. That's an excellent answer. Excellent answer.
1: All right, let's get to the National Football League. Training kits right. are underway all around the league. You got lots of lots of storylines. Obviously, we're going to hit the AFC and NFC North, and we're going to start in the AFC North. And let's go right to the top. Let's go to the team that came out of nowhere last year and shocked us all. Made a great run all the way to the Super Bowl. Lost a great game, <clears throat> excuse me, great finish to the Rams, the Cincinnati Bengals. 10 and 7 last year, head coach Zach Taylor. Huge Super Bowl run, huge additions in the offseason to fortify their offensive line. Lyle Collins, Kappa here from down here in Tampa, Ted Karras. O-line was the number one option that they had to address and give Mike Brown credit. He was aggressive. He went out and did it. Who knows if these guys are? I mean, they're good players, they've been good players. So will they be good players in Cincinnati? We'll see. Just your general thoughts about
2: the Bengals, Joe Burrow, the emergence of Joe Burrow last year. Well, Joe Burrow's awesome. He's top five quarterback in the league already. It, Jason, if I were to ask you, first off, take the postseason run out of the equation. The Bengals were a 10 and seven regular season team. They were not a great regular season team. Right. They were good to very good at times. So now In certain areas, like the offensive line, I definitely think they're better. The Jesse Bates safety contract dilemma, I I don't think that's going to go over real well. He's been a a 100-tackle-a-year guy for four years. He's very well-liked. He's a good player. He's 25 years old. I think if they deal him, it's going to send a signal, wow, I, I guess loyalty and producing doesn't mean much, except for maybe Joe Burrow. So, we all better make sure we treat the Bengals as a business. And so, that situation I think bears watching. What I wonder about, Jason, take, you know, we've had teams like the 2008 Arizona Cardinals and right. the Carolina Panthers with Jake DeLonge back in the day, Jacksonville from five years ago, who goes on a, they were 10 and six in the regular season, but six minutes from the Super Bowl. So, we viewed them as this terrific team. I'm a little cautious about the Bengals also because I think both the Browns and the Ravens, particularly the Ravens, will be better this year. Teams in the AFC North play the NFC South, which there's only two good teams in that division, so that's a break, and the AFC East, in which there's three good teams. So they're crossover games, if you will. Five of the eight teams you have to consider good. Right. You know, also they're in the AFC, Jason. I think somebody's going to win 10 games this year and miss the playoffs in the AFC. I I mean, there are, think about it. Jacksonville, Houston, the jets name me another bad team in the AFC, right? None. Okay. So that means you're competing against 13. What you consider pretty good or good teams for seven spots. That to me says you could win 10 games and not make it. Remember, we had, what was it, two years ago, you had to win 11 in 2020 to make the playoffs in the AFC. Right. No, you're right. No, you're right. And I'm with you. I think
1: I think playing with expectations could be an issue for the Bengals this year. And, like, you made a great point about Jesse Bates. Mike Brown's not known to be the most no. uh, freewheeling guy with his checkbook
2: when it comes to paying guys. So and. A- and he's very stubborn. Think back to yep. the Carson Palmer situation in which he said, retire, I don't care. Right. So I mean the Bengals can be as hardline as anybody. I'll say this, Jason. I think they're better than Pittsburgh. Right. And if Cleveland had Deshaun for 17, right? I think right. Cleveland's as good or better, but we all think they're going to be lucky to get them for maybe half the season. For what it's worth, Jason, to me, the Ravens were the number one seed in the AFC, and then Lamar got hurt, and I think they are so much better this year than they were at the same point in time last year when the injuries hit. I think this is a big bounce back year for the Ravens. They won eight games last year with one of the five worst defenses in the NFL. Yeah, that ain't going to happen again this year. I like the Ravens to win the North.
1: And, I, and it's, like you said, the Bengals with the skill players, they have Jamar Chase, Mixon, yes. Boyd, Higgins. Yep. You know, To me, the defense, they're average. They're good. They're not great. You don't have any impact names of guys. That you say we have to block
2: that guy. But, but they did get, I think, 43 sacks last year. That was the big upgrade on defense. They went from no pressure to pressure. And remember the one end that they picked up in free agency, he had like Hendrickson, he had 14 and a half by himself. Hendry, so yeah. they created pressure last year in part, Jason, because for the first time in a long time, they played with the lead Correct. occasionally, Correct. but you're right. The secondary, especially the corner was mm, kind of iffy. I do yeah. think they've improved their offensive line though. Absolutely. You know, do I think they're a strong contender for a wild card? Yes, but for what it's worth, I think the Ravens are a game better. It'll be interesting to see how much more
1: control Zach Taylor gives Joe Burrow. I know he's, I mean, what I love about Burrow is his swagger. I mean, he, he, he would get I don't care if he got hit 20 times in a game. He got
2: up every single time. He never flinched. He never, you know, he got up every time. You go all the way back to when he went to LSU. Everybody remembers the national championship year, but he played two years there The The year. year before he transferred from Ohio state. By the way, how about, picking haskins instead of joe burrow <laughs> remember that was urban meyer yes. pick dwayne haskins <laughs> over and they won a lot of games but still picking the late dwayne haskins over joe burrow mm, i don't know about that right. so burrow goes to lsu he arrives late he knows nobody there he immerses himself he wins all the competitions and i don't just mean for the job i mean he wins the workout competitions the right. whole deal and he's voted a captain before he's ever played a game i mean that joe burrow is just the guy right he's football got junkie. football it yep. also and people will follow him you know off the edge of the earth and the bengal's are in incredible shape for the next 10 to 12 years as long as he can stay healthy because he is a stud
1: All right, let's go to Baltimore. You mentioned Baltimore, and I'm with you. John Harbaugh, eight and nine last year. First round addition of Kyle Hamilton, kind of a steal there. They got him late in the first round, later than a lot of people thought. Another steal, Linderbaum, the center out of uh, Iowa, who they really really are going to lean on heavily, as well as Ojabu, who may not be an impact player early, but with his AC or with his Achilles injury, but uh, again, another guy they think they stole. Uh, they traded uh, Hollywood Brown out to Arizona for a first-round pick, which a lot of people thought, wow, how do you get a first-round pick for him, which is great. Um, Lamar's contract situation, obviously we're recording this during training camp. Who knows what's going to happen? He's eventually going to get paid. What are your quick thoughts on Lamar, him
2: representing himself versus having an agent? Jason, I don't think it matters. Uh, the market sets itself, to be honest with you. I think the only way it matters is the structuring of the contract. Right. Maybe he'll – maybe. The Ravens will get one over on him, but he's going to get between 48 and 52 million a year. I mean, right now, Aaron's at 53, number two's at 46.1. Right. Lamar's well, going to get somewhere in between. I say it's five for 250, maybe six for 300, and two thirds of it to 70, 75% of it's guaranteed. Right. And let's go. I don't think this is that complicated, to be honest with you. I think the structuring of it is, quite frankly, what they're discussing. I don't think really. Maybe they're arguing over a year. But, I mean, come on. I mean, the market is what the market is. He's going to have to get paid. So, you know, five for, I don't know, 240, 250, six for 280, 300, something like that. I got you. I'm with you. I think it'll get
1: worked out eventually here. All right. The big Ravens deal from last year injuries. They were decimated last year. Dobbins was out. Uh, You know, they lost Gus Edwards. They lost a bunch of their skill guys. Do the Ravens have enough skill players around Lamar other than Mark Andrews
2: to get him over the top? Well, they have six tight ends. And it's an offense. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, But they don't necessarily have the wide receivers, right? They're going to be, you know, they're a bit old school. I mean, they're like right. the wing T and yeah. the passing game a lot of times is to Mark Andrews or two other tight ends. Right. So the big question with the Ravens is going to be if you put them in a two-score deficit in the third quarter, will they be able to play come from behind football? It's just going to be really difficult, Jason, to put them in a two-score deficit in the third quarter. You got to remember they lost both corners, right? We're talking Pro Bowl caliber corners. They lost them both last year, neither played a game. They now have three safeties who would start for just about anybody in the league. If knock on wood, if the Ravens stay healthy, they're going to be a very good regular season team. Can they win in January? They've only won one playoff game with Lamar. That right. to me is the big question. The regular season, not a question. A sneaky, a sneaky move. That will be interesting to see how it how it works itself out. Don
1: Martindale, the defensive coordinator, no longer there. Harbaugh brings in his brother's defensive coordinator from Michigan, who used to be a Raven. I think position coach, linebacker coach, McDonald. How do you think that transition will? affect that defense who's got a ton of, ton of talent?
2: Well, they'll blitz a lot less. They'll be a lot less risky, which, quite frankly, with the way they play on offense is probably how they should play, to be honest. There's no reason for them to be as risky now as they are or have been put it that way it exposes the big play obviously which they put you behind and and why invite it why invite it you've got a tremendous secondary you can if you want because of that secondary be very risky but martindale was as aggressive as any (laughs) dc in the league and i think harbaugh just decided you know i need to dial it back a little bit a little more old school football. You're right because you're right.
1: Lamar has not proven in the offensive skill around him at wide receiver, especially has not proven that he can come back from two scores down, like you mentioned. And I think that's been their bugaboo when they have gotten down in the playoffs is that inability to do that. So, so you it sounds like you like the Ravens to win the division, health healthwithstanding.
2: I think for both the Ravens and the Browns, defensively, they'll both be very good. The one question both teams have defensive tackle: can they defend the run? Like to me, both teams would really benefit. And I don't know if the Ravens have the money, but the Browns do. Indomica Sue I think would be a big acquisition for either team, but particularly Cleveland. You got forty-eight million in cap space. All right, I mean, come on. What I mean, you got a deficiency inside. Indomica Sue's won two Super Bowls. Okay, or played for two anyway. I mean, and is borderline hall of famer and can still play. And he's been unbelievably durable in the second half of his career. Go get him. Yeah. Come on. You won 48 million dollars on the salary cap. You can't not go get guys when you have a deficiency. And that's really if Deshaun plays, the only deficiency the Browns really have is a defensive tackle. And so to me, go get Sue.
1: All right, let's head to Cleveland. Kevin Stefanski, 8 and 9 last year. Obviously, all the, the huge trade for Deshaun Watson in the offseason. No more. Baker Mayfield finally gets shipped out to Carolina. They lose Jarvis Landry, but they add Amari Cooper from the Cowboys. Most would think that's probably a, a little bit of an upgrade there. Um, obviously, the cloud over Deshaun Watson. We, when we're recording this, we do not have an answer from the league yet. Um, about what his suspension will be i think most of us you and i included think at least eight games some think the whole season we'll see how that ends up uh, shaking itself out
2: is jimmy g a possibility here do you
1: think or do you well he is for me yeah i'm
2: running the browns he is i mean come on jacoby Brissett. when he had to play in new england they got rid of him jacoby Brissett. when he had to play in indianapolis they got rid of him jacoby Brissett. when he had to play in miami they got rid of him. Jacoby percent is what he is. He's a backup quarterback. Right. The Browns roster is too good to hand it to a backup quarterback, even for half the season. Acquire Jimmy G. Just mentioned the 48 million. You can afford his salary. Most teams can't. And because you can take it off the Niners books, I don't think you have to give him much. I really don't. And so you bring in Jimmy G. And even if it's for half the year, Jason, say he's your starter for the first eight games. Well. He's got to be a one-game difference in the standings minimum than Jacoby Brissett, and there's a big difference between five and three instead of four and four, especially in the AFC. I agree. Where it's going to be harder to make the playoffs in the NFC. And so, yes. And then, you know what, quite frankly, you might be able to trade Jimmy G at the deadline. Right. And bring Deshaun in and Jacoby backs him up. So, yes, I'm not handing this year to Jacoby Brissett not for even eight, nine games. I'm not doing it because at best you'll be four and four. I'm sorry. That's, I can't throw away a year. I can't not the, a year in the NFL is like five for us in real life. You can't do it. Especially since
1: Deshaun hasn't played in a year and a half already. I mean, he will have not played
2: in forever, basically. And you, like you said, they have to survive until Deshaun gets back. You have to be in the race. And Jason, what's the point of having 48 million in cap room if you're not right. going to use it to your advantage? Right. I mean, they can bring in a Kasu and trade for Jimmy G and still have 15 million in cap space. And both of those would be
1: one-year deals, too. It's not like they have two right. multiple years on their contract. No. Jimmy G's one year and done. I'm with you. That, that would be Do you think they're waiting to know what the the punishment is from the league yes. to make the move with Jimmy G? Yes.
2: I think if it's eight or around there, they're going to hang tight. Which I think would be a mistake, obviously. Right. And then if it's the full year, I think they acquire Jimmy J. Yep, I get you. I get you.
1: All right, defense needs to be a little bit better, like you said. They they're, they're deficient at defensive tackle. Um, you know, they had some moments last year where the defense let them down. Obviously, Baker didn't play great. But um, how do you how do you like Stefanski and that role that he's he's developing there in Cleveland as the play quality? Well, you got great running. You got the best running back combo in the league.
2: I'm given. All right, I'm giving Stefanski in the front office a mulligan last year. Everybody had a bad year, yeah. including Baker, the whole deal. Fine. So I'm giving him a mulligan. Think about what we were thinking of the Browns a year ago today. We were thinking pretty highly of them. Yeah. So I'm going to give him a mulligan for last year. And then this year, I think we see exactly who everyone is. It's so One thing to remember, if you believe in pro football focus, Browns had the best coverage units in the NFL last year. Yeah. So they got two pass rushers. And they've got great coverage units to me. I think they need to upgrade defensive tackle and the linebacker position and otherwise, and they need Deshaun Watson to play quite frankly. And here's a sneaky spot and we'll move on the kicking game. They did not kick the ball
1: very well field goal, field goal wise. Last year, they drafted the kid at LSU this year. They need to be improved in the kicking game because they're going to be in some close games, especially in that first eight weeks without Deshaun Watson.
2: And we saw last year with the Bengals, how important having a terrific young kicker is. Absolutely. All right. Quick,
1: quickly on the Steelers, Tomlin, nine, seven, and one Ben Swanson. They lose in the wild card. They draft Kenny Pickett. They bring in Mitch Trubisky, new era quarterback. They lose Juju Smith. Your thoughts on Pittsburgh? Is this go are we going to go back to old school Pittsburgh running defense now for the next couple of years?
2: Well, they did it last year and somehow, some way managed nine, seven, and one. Here's the big problem for them right now. They only have one decent running back, and that's Najee. If Najee right. gets hurt, they are in huge trouble. Right. Uh their o- offensive line is still below average. Right. And their wide receiving core, young, talented, but not as elite as it's been in past years. Their defense is outstanding, though. Can you continue to win games in the rough and tumble AFC the way they kind of ham and egg their way through the right. season last year? To me, they have the worst roster in the division, not by much, but to me, they're the fourth best roster in that division. And Mitchell Trubisky the quarterback of it. You know, Tomlin's a hall of fame coach, Jason. I think their max is nine. And that Tomlin is due to have his first losing season as head coach. I say the Steelers go eight and nine. Do you think Tomlin potentially
1: looks to move, get out of there after this no. year?
2: No. You think he's there for the long term? He's still a very young man. I think what's he? 51? Fifty one? Yeah. Fifty two? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what do you? What else are you going to do that's better than coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers? True that, and and, and he, he's you're
1: you're right. And if of all years he deserves a mulligan, this will be the year. He gets to have his. Hopefully, the streak doesn't break, but it, but it probably will, like you said. Um, and you'll see Kenny pick, I would imagine by midseason, if 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 you know if he's progressing at all, like they think he will. All right, so you, so you listen to the Powers on Sports podcast, and with David Moulton, SEC on CBS, ESPN Monday Night Football, host of the Miller and Moulton show. Tell the audience what time of the day and where they can find the Miller and Moulton radio show.
2: Early, damn early, six to ten a.m. Okay. Oh man, FloridaSportsNetwork.com. Uh, but we have a bunch of podcasts. If you miss any part of the show? You just go to FloridaSportsNetwork.com and download it. We have terrific guests, and uh, the show's pretty decent. Got to admit, I mean, you know, we're not winning awards or anything, but we're fairly entertaining. David knows what he's doing for sure on the on the radio at
1: at the David Moulton on Twitter. I love the V the Ohio State. I hate
2: it. I hate <laughs> it. I, it sounds so arrogant, so obnoxious. I absolutely hate it. Hey.
1: Publicity's good or bad? It's
2: still good publicity. <laughs> I guess. I guess. <laughs> wish, wish I had a mulligan for that one.
1: <laughs> All right, let's get to the a- NFC North. Let's start up in uh, Green Bay where today actually a friend of mine when we're recording this is actually a shareholder and is at the shareholders meeting today up in Green Bay for the for the uh, annual shareholders meeting. So that's I found that out last night from my friend. But uh, Matt LaFleur 13 and four last year, they lose the, the terrible game to the 49ers in the divisional round. Yeah. They score, they, you know, they score three points or seven points, not even nothing on offense. The only touchdown was def, uh, special teams related Rogers. Obviously the drama with him is he, it's over. He's back. Interesting signing Devondre Campbell is re-signed. They draft Christian Watson, who's a Tampa kid from down here in Tampa They bring in two Georgia guys. Obviously, they lose Devontae Adams in the huge move, and then they lose Zadarius Smith and uh, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Wide receivers and skill is going to be the question in Green Bay. Can they find wide receivers to make separation? They got a great running game with A.J.
2: Dillon and Aaron Jones. Can they muster enough in the passing game to your liking? Okay. Believe it or not, I'm more concerned about the offensive line at first. Bakhtiari starts on the pup list. Think about that. He basically missed all of last year with injury. He played for an hour and a half. Couldn't tough it, okay? And is still not ready at the start of training camp. This is an 18-month injury now. This is a big deal. He's the blindside tackle. This is important. They lost uh, their swing guy on the offensive line. That line is really thin right now. I'm more concerned about the offensive line because... Devontae's not there, who could get open quickly, and it was a quick valve for Rodgers. I know they throw a lot of screens and all that, but Aaron may have to hold on to the ball a touch longer this year. The line play to me in the first part of the season is what I'm going to be watching. I think by the end of the year, Jason, I mean, they're going to win the division if Rodgers is healthy. They just are. I mean, they're two levels better than anyone else in the division, even though – I don't think they're as good a team now as they were when the season ended. The receivers, you know, a full year with Rodgers, they'll be better. In some ways, they're going to be a very difficult out in the playoffs. They're still going to get pressure on the passer. They've got good corners. All right. They're going to be a tough out. I don't think they're going to be the one seed, though. They've had home field the last right. couple of years. Right. I don't think the Packers have home field this year. I could see them winning the division with an eleven and six record. They've won thirteen games each of the last three years. Right,
1: I'm with you. I think I think it's going to be a little bit of a record wise downgrade. I think the defense is going to be really good, and they're going to win some more games, some more ugly games with the running game. If, if again, if the offensive line, uh, and if again, another key guy, Tunyon. If Tunyon can come back at tight end it will be a nice safety valve for Rodgers If he's back yep. healthy, he's had a bad injury as well. So
2: I'm with you. I think we both think they're the class of the division. By the way, we were talking about who teams in the AFC North should pick up. If you're the Packers, because it's basically Super Bowl or bust. Right. Why do you not sign Odell Beckham? Yeah. Okay. If he doesn't play for you until January, that's two regular season games in the playoffs. And you know what? Sign him to a two-year deal. Right. low money with incentives for however much he plays this year. He'd probably be the best wide receiver on the team in 2023. I mean, right. I'm wondering, they've got the money too. They've got like 15, 16 million. I mean, why not Odell Beckham? Just a thought. I got you. All I right, said to Chicago. Ever flew hired from Indianapolis,
1: six and 11 last year. They bring in Ryan Poles from Kansas City to be the GM. To me, this is a full rebuild. They lose Khalil. They get rid of Khalil Mack, Aheem Hicks, Allen Robinson. This is all about one year to see what Justin developing Justin Fields. Even though they don't have much offense around him, they want to see what Justin Fields is going to do. To me, this is a full rebuild
2: in Chicago. Your opinion? I, I think the Bears have a chance to be on the clock. I think they <laughs> won. No, 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 and I know. they won six games last year. They're not I'm winning betting six bet the under this year. I tough for me to see more than four, could be worse. Yeah, I think they're doing a tremendous disservice to Justin Fields. Why they didn't keep their best wide receiver. Why didn't they not draft the offensive line before the fourth or fifth round? Right. I mean, they built a secondary in the draft. You're gonna be bad and be on the field all the time. Who cares? Right. You need to invest in your quarterback. They right. didn't, they've yet in two offseasons have not invested in and around Justin Fields they're doing him a tremendous disservice I think they're going to be terrible terrible all right and I feel badly for him and Bears fans hey don't don't be discounting Nikhil Harry now right <laughs> right
1: for that conditional seventh round pick
2: right yeah Yeah. Bill Belichick couldn't ship him out of town fast enough and he was a first round pick three years ago right <laughs>
1: All right, let's go to let's go to Detroit. Dan Campbell, three thirteen and one. They add Aiden Hutchinson, high in the draft, maybe the steal of the draft in uh, in Williams out of Alabama, who come, who's going to miss a little bit of time with the knee injury. The, I think their record was they were better than their record. I think they yes. did a good job solidifying that that organization, building a little culture there. I think they're better than 3 and 13. I think this team's going to be a pain in the neck this year. They're not going to probably win a ton of games, but I think they're going to be a pain in the neck to some teams, especially in that division.
2: I think they're going to win 7 games. Okay. I, and like you, I think they're much better than their record. And let's look at them offensively. They've got a running back, they got a tight end, they've got two tackles, a center and two wide receivers. Yep. All right. Now you know, we don't think Jared Goff's the answer, but he did not that long ago, four years, in fact, take a team to a Super Bowl. Right. So he doesn't suck, he if doesn't. you know what I mean. Right. And now defensively, they don't really have a pass rush and they can't really just go man oh. to man and cover somebody. I think defensively, they're a work in progress. But believe right. it or not, offensively, they Pretty could good. be saltier than you think. I agree. I, and I think they're going to beat the Bears twice. They'll get the Vikings once. Now, all of a sudden, it's three division wins. I'll put the Lions at seven and 10. I agree. I think, I think Campbell's doing a good job. I
1: think most people thought Campbell would be a bust as a coach, but I think year one, he's proven that he did a good job.
2: Well, and also the teams in the NFC North play both Eastern divisions. Well, the Lions have got to look at the commanders, the Giants, and the Jets and think, Oh, winnable, come on, man! We can win winnable. these games, right? Yeah. Yeah. So just keep just keep that in mind with Washington. The schedule may also play in; it's a touch easier than last. I agree. No, I think I think again. I think they're going to be a pain in the neck to some people. And again, that culture of Campbell of
1: tough and physical. And again, if Jamison Williams comes back soon, or you know, whenever he comes back, you're right. That offense is not is is pretty good actually. And if Golf plays well, they they got a chance to win some games. All right, let's wrap it up in Minnesota. First year coach Kevin O'Connell comes from Sean McVay out with the Rams, kind of a, a, a the young the new young guy out of that tree right. of, of Sean McVay. Eight and nine last year. They added Lewis seen in the draft, Jordan Hicks in free agency. Zadarius Darius Smith in free agency. There was some scuttlebutt here re- recently that the the whole Zimmer and Cousins just couldn't stand each other. That's been brewing for years now. He, and by the gone. way, that
2: was true. <laughs> that was no, that was true. He right. didn't. I mean. Zimmer didn't necessarily want cousins. That was a decision made above Zimmer yep. and Zimmer was done with them. Even though it's interesting, Kirk cousins did go into new Orleans and outplayed drew Brees and right. beat the saints three well, years ago. Yeah. Listen, offense has not been the problem with the Vikings, right? It hasn't. All right. The defense, the last two years has been ranked 25th or worse in every major category. Yeah. All right. The defense has been the problem. I know nobody likes Kirk cousins. He's pretty good. He's not better yes. than that, but he's pretty good. They've got one of the three best wide receivers in football. They have one of the five best tailbacks in football. Yes. And the offensive line has finally gotten to the point where they're averaged to slightly above. Yep. Offense will not be the problem with the Vikings. The Vikings have had a playoff roster the last two years and underperformed. I think in the, and I think this year in the NFC, they win 10 games. Packers win the division by a game. Vikings find a way to go ten and seven and get a wild card. I'm with you. I think. I think again, if you can, we'll see how O'Connell
1: adjusts to being the coach as opposed to being the understudy. So that'll be an interesting thing, um, how that works as well. So um, I'm with you. I think the offensive talent is excellent. Thielen, Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, the tight end emerged last year a little bit. Conklin played pretty well, and again, Zadarius Smith on defense will help. Yes, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. So, sounds like we like uh, – both of us like Green Bay and Baltimore to win the divisions. You think Minnesota and Cincinnati wild cards? Cleveland maybe?
2: Yeah, I think Cincinnati stays ahead of Cleveland because of the whole Deshaun thing. Right. It. By the way, it'll be a minimum eight games if for no other reason. I know, ladies and gentlemen, this is very unscientific. But week eight, yeah. <laughs> the Browns are at the Bengals or no, I'm sorry. The Bengals are at the Browns week eight, yeah. okay. Halloween night, Monday night football. Do you really think Roger Goodell wants Deshaun Watson's right. Cleveland debut or home debut that's to true. be Halloween night on national television against the Bengals? Now, trust me, Joe Troy and ESPN desperately hope <laughs> that that's the case. But I have a feeling, Jason, that we're going to be getting, all right, a backup quarterback against Joe Burrow on Halloween night in Cleveland. I better see you in your best goblin outfit when they show the one booth, the shot. Totally. Of the booth, you better be in your best uh Jason. My daughter, <laughs> now I'm obviously a lot bigger and fatter, but and I may get this outfit. For five years, my daughter went as a toilet on Thanksgiving <laughs> or on Halloween a toilet in which what you do is you open up the lid and that's where people put the candy. Okay. <laughs> I may go as a toilet. Okay. This year at Halloween.
1: Well, David appreciate the great work, man. Great analysis. Again, you'll you'll catch David on Saturdays on the sec on CBS, Monday night in the booth with Troy and Joe with ESPN coverage, Miller and Moulton radio show in the morning, some- you're seeing him in this, during the summertime doing a lot of work with Sirius XM, NFL Radio, Mad Dog Sports Radio and such. Does a great job covering all sports, not just football. He's very, very uh, knowledgeable on
2: all fronts, very up top. How's beautiful Fort Myers these days before we get you out of here? Well, it's a lot like Tampa, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's about 94 degrees, and it rains at about 4 o'clock. <laughs> you got it.
1: Well, David, have a great summer, man. We'll look forward to Thanks. seeing you in the coverage and appreciate the time. All right, take care everyone. Thanks to David for his great insight on the AFC and NFC North. Up next, we're going to the college football world. We're going to have an ACC conference preview with my guy Chris Bond of accnation.net. We got some breaking news coming out of Winston-Salem concerning the Wake Forest quarterback, we're going to give you a full conference preview, new coaches, predictions, and all and all the nuggets in between. So stay tuned right after the break for Chris Bond accnation.net back to the powers on sports podcast in just a minute I want to give you a little update we got some new podcasts coming out here and the, as the college football season starts the college football coast to coast podcast feed is coming your way here in just a couple of weeks we're going to be covering all walks of college football from the west coast to the east coast to the state of Florida, to the Big Ten, to Notre Dame, and even the service academies. I'm going to be hosting the Florida Football Insiders Podcast where we talk all things football, college football in the state of Florida. Florida, Florida State, Miami, USF, FIU, FAU. We're talking all. We're going to be talking to the newsmakers from around the state of Florida. We're going to be having a service academy podcast talking about Army, Navy, and Air Force, Notre Dame podcast a Pac-12 podcast with my guy Matt Zemek out on the West Coast, and much more. So check us out, the college football coast-to-coast podcast feed on your podcast platforms. We're coming at you with all things college football. And also, don't forget, I'm going to be coming back with Peter Blake in the fall for the No Quarter Given podcast. We're going to talk all things Tampa Bay Buccaneers, historical analysis, talk to former players, the newsmakers of the franchise's history. So no quarter-given podcast will be coming back as well. We'll have a training camp preview here, and then we'll start off with the regular season the week after Labor Day. All right, welcome back to the Powers on Sports podcast. It is now ACC football preview time, and no better person to talk ACC football with than a friend of mine down here in the Tampa Bay area, Chris Bond. From accnation.net, he covers the ACC, dialed in, uh, been doing it for covering the ACC for many, many years. So uh, welcome back to the podcast, Chris.
0: Thanks, Jason. Glad to be back. And how lucky you are, our listeners, to have two of Lake Till High School's finest on on one podcast.
1: That's right. I was just talking in the intro of the podcast about how school starts in Tampa today, and all the kids are first first day of school, first day of high school, last first day of school. So uh, just all the all the fun things. I know you. I know uh, you got you got one over your way. So I'm sure that was a fun morning for you this morning. Two, you got two. So yeah, fun morning for you as well. first day of school.
0: Just dropped off our freshman and a junior this morning. So
1: uh, wasn't that long ago with us, man. That's uh,
0: right. But here you go.
1: All right, let's get into the ACC. Uh, Pittsburgh defending champions. They they beat Wake Forest in the title game last year. Obviously, Pitt loses Kenny Pickett and Jordan Addison. Big loss in the offseason. The ACC has five teams in the preseason top 25, headed by Clemson at four. You got NC State at 13, Pitt at 16, Miami at 17, Wake Forest at 19. Let's get into the breaking news at Wake Forest today. The th- three-year starting quarterback, Sam Hartman. Is going to be out indefinitely with a non-football injury situation. We, we don't not not sure what it is. Talk to the fans in the audience about the impact of no Sam Hartman for a period of time.
0: Well, I tell you what, uh, when they say non-COVID uh, related, um, it leads to a lot of speculation. Of course, uh, sadly, people think towards the negative. So we're going to wait and see pattern on it, hoping for the best. He's a fine quarterback and a fine young man. I've spoken on a couple occasions. Um,
2: so we're hoping that it's
0: not something, anything else that starts with a letter C on that. Right. He's got, he's got his whole life ahead of him. But um, right now, it's kind of a wait and see. Uh, Wake Force is a private institution. So they're not under the obligations to share as much about their athletes as, um, say, right. their neighbors down the road at UNC or uh, NC State. But. Um, we're just it, this is really just a hope for the best for the kids, but uh, it is a blow to the starting lineup. Uh, uh, a lot goes through in this very prolific offense that they, they got them all the way to second place in the ACC last year, so um, we'll see how that goes for them. Uh, but we're going to hope for the best for the kids.
1: yeah, no doubt. I mean, again, you don't want to speculate on what it could be, but um, you know. It's it's probably something medical related, probably, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll and I'm sure, and I'm sure I would think in the next week or so that news will get out one way or the other. He'll either have a press conference if it's something that's substantial, or, the, or the, you know somebody will, We'll know here in a few days probably what it is, unless it's just terrible, terrible stuff. But we'll probably know what it is here in the next few days. All right, let's get to some new coaches. We got four new coaches in the conference. Cristobal at Miami, Brent Pry at Virginia Tech, Tony Elliott, Virginia, Mike Elko at Duke. Let's start here in our state. Down, let's go down south to Miami first. That's probably the biggest hire. Mario Cristobal coming home to Miami. You know, played, in the, played for the Hurricanes in the late 80s with the Dynasty guys. Great recruiter, got him out of Oregon. What's going to be different about this run with Miami? Miami has gone to the well many times, bringing back old old relationships to the program. Mark Rick, Randy Shannon, Manny Diaz. What's going to be any different with Mario Cristobal at Miami this time?
0: Well, I don't I don't know if it would be any different if it was uh, um, if Manny, D, Manny Diaz was still coach. Actually, uh, with a couple swings with against North Carolina and a couple other games. Uh, they would still be, they seem to have things figured out, but um, Christopher was available. Uh, and it was the right time for him to leave Oregon, by the way, because with USC ramping up out there, uh, well, what we knew at the time, that USC was still going to be in the Pac-12. Right. Uh, Oregon's always been just a strong number two out there. Um, as far as his recruiting, his connections, he's always been a great recruiter. Uh, then again, he had great resources there at Oregon. Uh, you, you can't argue that Oregon's only downside was their remote location, um. But the recruiting class he's bringing in right now, uh, looks very strong. Uh, he's using that new coach smell, as we like to call, in recruiting, uh, and he's fanning it out there, and it's it's paying off dividends. He's doing a lot better at, it, by the way, than say a cross-state rival, Billy Napier, who's not, who's kind of floundering right now. Uh, to be honest, and worrying to some of our Gator, uh. Listeners out there, but uh, Cristobal is well connected with uh, some a lot of the former athletes. He's more importantly, um, I and I think the uh, the, the ex athletes, uh, the former football players, you know, the Irvins and the you know, the Jonathan Vilmas, uh, Ray Lewis, just, they make a lot of noise, but as far as raising money, they really haven't done much. But Christopher is actually connected with people who actually have real money, real wealth. And the NIL has changed the game for them Has a private school where they weren't able to get state backing for a lot of things and harder with the fundraising. But Cristobal is connected with real, with real people. So uh, as far as um, people who can write checks, right. write more checks. So And that's where the rubber meets the road in college football because that's what brings you in your talent. So... That that all said, when they hired him, he was choice A, B, and C. So, and they got their man. Um, and so far, it looks very good. And I got to tell you, um, what I mean by wouldn't be much safer if Manny Diaz is still there. The cupboard is pretty full. Uh, the front seven is going to need some work, uh, especially at defensive ends. So There's been lackluster production there. Um, but very, very highly touted.
1: Very highly touted quarterback that could potentially be very
0: good. He's a great starting piece, uh, Jason. Uh, he's he's going to make that first year look very good. Uh, they lose a couple big receivers. They lost Rambo, um, and it, so it, his targets are going to be going to be a little bit up in the air. Uh, Christopher Ball's main downsides have been two things: one, he's difficult to work with, so so it said, and two. Uh, some of his game day play calling can be questionable, right? Uh, and I, yeah, that's 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 not a rumor. That's people have seen that those mistakes. Uh, hopefully he left that on the Pacific Coast if he has. <laughs> um, if, yeah, if he if he did, then Miami's going to be a a big problem. The the two things Miami hasn't had in the
1: last handful of years, probably decade plus, they haven't had a Heisman Trophy kind of quarterback. Back in the 80s and 90s, when Miami always had the big quarterbacks, whether it's Dorsey, Toretta, Kelly, all the guy, Bernie Co. I mean, all the guys that we know at Miami, they've not had a legit big time quarterback prospect in probably 15 years, where we can all say that guy's the guy, and he's gonna be a difference maker for Miami. And the other thing with Crystal Ball is. I think he's going to bring some of that Nick Saban toughness. He wants to run a little more rugged offensive line, defensive line strength where he's that's his, that's his bread and butter his line line play. And that's where Miami back in back in the day, they were always undervalued of how good their lines were when it came to their, their championship runs.
0: Exactly. Uh, they've still been looking to replace Gino Toretta. And I'm sorry to, the not Ken Dorsey. Ken Dorsey was a fine quarterback in that title team, but yep. uh, I never put him in the in that in that group from from Kelly to Tirada. I just, um, but I tell you, Van Dyke, good long accurate arm. Yeah. Uh, good decision making. Um, he set up very nicely. Mario is. He is all right. Let's go to let's go to uh,
1: Tony Elliott of Virginia, former longtime Clemson OC, heads up to Char- Charlottesville. How do you think that transition will go for Tony Elliott up to Charlottesville?
0: Well, you had to wonder why he took this job, because, you know, he interviewed many times. Uh, he was a uh, a crown jewel in the Clemson uh, staff, and people, many people wanted him. So when he took Virginia, I was curious, but I can see why, because Virginia is a name and it has recognition. It also has a lot of endowments to support it financially. Um, I see Virginia is a sleeper team. We were talking maybe looking at a sleeper team later on in this call here, but I want to go go ahead and get right into it. Yep. You could not act for an easier schedule. Uh, and you talk about another quarterback to start off well with Armstrong. Yep. Is a he may be as far as athletically the best athlete under center in the ACC. Right. Um. And there were days that he carried. Uh. He got him off to a six and two start last year. He did. Uh. They kind of floundered down the end. Yeah. But he. It was because he was struggling. So. But. Tony you know, has worked with our, Has worked with Trevor Lawrence. He's worked with. Uh, other quarterbacks. You know, great success at uh, like Taj Boyd. Yeah. Uh. So he knows how to keep him. Keep these guys. Um. Focused. And that's our problem. I think it's always been focused. When he's focused, he is a force out there. Uh, Virginia's going to be a little bit lackluster in the offensive line. They're replacing all five starters. But when your hardest road game is at Illinois, um, you got a chance. You got a chance. You
1: got a chance.
0: Your hardest home game is Miami. And now, while that looks daunting, let me tell you this. This, that is the look-ahead. They might catch Miami looking ahead. That's the week before Florida State. Right. And you know Miami's got Florida State on their mind all the way until that. So um, I think Virginia's going to surprise some people, and I think Elliott's got uh, just enough tools to put a scare into folks. I don't, I'm not going to pick them to win the division, but uh, I think they're going to uh, do a lot of damage. All right, let's go to uh of the last
1: two, Brent Pry and Mike Elko. Elko at Duke, Pry at Virginia Tech. Which of those two do you think has a chance to at least, again, not rebuild the program in a year, but make make a make a little dent into what they're doing this year?
0: They both have a very daunting task. Okay, um, uh, Brent Pry, uh, I there's not an ACC quality quarterback on the roster. Uh, I just don't see it, and. Um, the running game was worse in the conference. Um, now, as far as the four new coaches, the guy who I think is the best was the best hire It was him. I do think so. But you're looking at a long-term rebuild for either one of these guys. That said, uh, the way his schedules line up, uh, I think Brent Pry is most likely to get to six and six, uh, to get to a bowl game. Um, not that that's going to be easy. Uh, he's gotta to totally rebuild that offensive and defensive lines. Yep. But he was a Penn State he was a recruiter in the Appalachian area in the Virginias and the so he's already connected uh, in the Tidewater region, which has always been a great source of Virginia Tech football. Yep, yep. Um, more
1: Michael and they Vick hired the right Michael man, Vick. but he needs Michael Vick came from the Tidewater area. A lot of big players, Kevin Jones, a lot of those guys over the years have come from the Tidewater area. Cam
0: Chancellor. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, but they hired the right man, but uh, he needs time. Um, Mike Elko, uh, the one thing is that Duke has more than anybody I know out there is a millions in, um, in endowments. And he also has a better name than what his predecessor inherited. Right. Uh, thank you, David Cutcliffe, for putting Duke football on the map. He has a name to sell, but... Uh, there is so much work to do. Uh, and in the real, uh, in the weight room and uh, on the football field. Um, I don't envy Mike Elko. I wondered why he actually took the job. Actually, uh, I think there were some better offers out there for him, but he can get him there. Uh, same with Brent Pry. Uh, these guys are hard workers. They're ethical, and they'll get them on the right track. But I wouldn't expect anything soon. Uh, to to hang your hat on.
1: And I would and I would think for a guy like Elko, if he were to have a couple of, you know, seven and five years at Duke, he'll be a hot name to get a better job. So I think that might be a stepping stone type of job for a couple, if he can turn it around and show some progress, that he potentially could get a, another big, a, a bigger, whether it's an ACC job or a bigger, you know, mid-level, big 12 or SEC kind of job, if he can put together a couple good years at Duke. We'll see.
0: <laughs> he could. He could, but. Yeah, I mean, Duke's a tough place to win.
1: uh, Yeah, Duke's just a tough place to win in the academics and the basketball dominance and all that stuff. So it's just a it's a tough, though, I will say it might be a little easier to win because shashevsky has gone now. The transition from the basketball program, there might be an opportunity to get a little more of the revenues from the university, that kind of stuff, but. But, again, Duke's always just a tough place to win. You can have a, you can put together a good year typically at Duke once every four or five years with a good recruiting class. Seems like.
0: You can. Agreed.
1: Yeah. yeah. All right, let's jump to the heavyweights. Clemson. This is a huge year, in my opinion, for DJ Ugelelele, at quarterback. Did not have a very good nice year job, last year. Law. That was pretty good. I, I got to give myself credit. That was pretty good.
0: <laughs> that was
1: nice. <laughs> DJ, DJ. in my opinion, he better get busy this year and play well because they've got a big player behind them, allegedly. You know, there was a lot of hype with when DJ played really well at Notre Dame a couple years ago, did not play very well last year, looked lost at times, like he couldn't complete. I mean, the most basic of passes. This is a big year for DJ and, for to me, for Dabo Tweeney. Another year where they struggle offensively and all that stuff. There's going to be out again, no danger of getting losing his job, but there's going to be some all the goodwill of winning the national titles will go away if they don't have another good year.
0: Exactly. I don't know if you caught ACC Media Days and uh, when Davo got on the podium uh, and uh, how much he went to bat for DJ. Um, and he needs he needed to do that because he needs DJ to succeed, and he needs DJ to be in the right mindset. Being a 98th ranked passer in the country after following two generational talents like Deshaun Watson and uh, Trevor Lawrence, yep, that's not getting it done. Right, uh, that's not getting it done. Um, he's physically gifted. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but what happened to him becoming a regular starter. Uh, no one can simply put the finger on it, and Tony Elliott was already halfway out the door anyway. Right, so. But the gentleman you're talking about, Cade Kuhlman, the five-star quarterback. Um, it's why I think Clemson's going to have a really good year either way because he's going to be in a short leash. If he's not showing it within the first couple games, you know, maybe look at the transfer portal because Cade's going in. Yeah. Um, and Cade, uh, and i tell you what, let me tell you this. about when I've talked to uh, staff members. kid has a photographic memory. He had them the playbook memorized in four days wow so he knows to play all yeah. he has to do is make the throws and uh as fall practice has been going through in his reps he is throwing darts from my understanding so i know he can read a playbook and if he's throwing like that dj's uh has got one chance
1: yeah i agree i agree it's a, i agree it's a short leash and He's got to do it this year, like you said. He'll be he'll be the guy you'll see in the transfer portal sooner rather than later if he doesn't get it done. All right, let's talk. Let's let's move to our beloved Florida State Seminoles. Norvell year three needs a jump. I mean, I I know he's building it and he's trying to put it together, but he needs to win seven or eight games, I think, to get just to get the support. And again, I you know probably better than I do, but I mean. The the days of six and six and five and seven gotta end here pretty soon in Tallahassee.
0: It's interesting because the outside looking in people think he's on the hot seat, but when you talk to some of the boosters, uh, like I have, and some of the as you call it whales, the big donors, uh, one thing Norvell has done that he, well, he's done a lot of things better than Taggart. To be honest with you, he's raised the floor to, uh, of the roster for sure. Um, but when you talk to the boosters, um, Norvell has been up with them from the beginning. This is where we're at. This is what we need. This is what we're, we're at right now and what we got to get through. Um, the boosters are completely bought into him. They're fine. And as long as you have those guys in your corner, that says Jason, you're right. He's got to get a, he's got to get to seven wins, seven, to eight wins. Um, because you got to show proof of product in the field or recruiting is going to start drying up as, Great as Alex Atkins has been for – and he has completely rebuilt that offensive line room. He's transformed it from the worst position group in Power 5 football to what may be next year or two the best offensive line in in the conference. Um, That all said, uh, Norvell has got to get to seven wins. And I think the schedule lines up to it. But his fate is completely tied to the the health of Jordan Travis because um, he's a phenomenal athlete. And but the one thing Jordan Travis has trouble with staying healthy. Uh, and behind them, you have Kate Rodemaker, who has a gear in the headlights problem. And you have a true freshman. So definite quarterback is going to make or break Norvell's tenure in the short term. Uh, that said, uh, the defense uh, is, oh, my gosh. So uh, they, they have hit it on the transfer portal on defensive end. Uh, they've hit it in linebacker. Um, everything else looked, yeah, everything else is upgraded. Norvell has done what he's been hired to do, which is to raise the floor to program. Um, so you know, based on the schedule, which I think is a little more challenging than even last year's, I think seven and five and eight and four is not out of reach.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, again, you and I both know we were there during the heyday. I mean. Not that you have to go eleven and one every year, but you can't be going five and you know five and seven and you got to be competitive in the ACC. again, nobody's asking you to win a national championship yet, but you, you ought to be you ought to be playing to try to get to the conference title game in in, in the division. So that's to me, that needs to happen Absolutely. real soon because I mean, again, with the transfer portal with Nil, Florida State ought to be a destination and you shouldn't be saying, if Jordan Travers gets, Travis gets hurt, we're in big trouble. I mean, Florida State was always, again, known for quarterback depth, quarterback play. You got to have a quarterback in this day and age of college football. So, all right. You listen to the Powers okay. on Sports podcast. We're, gonna, we're giving you a nice ACC preview with Chris Bond of accnation.net. Now let's he- head to some hot seats. I got three names for you, and I want you to tell me if you agree with these names on the hot seat. Jeff Collins, Georgia Tech, Dino Baber, Syracuse. And here's the wild card, Mac Brown at North Carolina. Not that I think he would get fired if he doesn't have a great year, but I think his his run of rebuilding the program will kind of fall on stagnant terms if he doesn't kind of elevate North Carolina one time to to, to, to a division title and potentially a conference title game. But your thoughts on those three names?
0: Oh, boy. Well, I got to tell you, uh, Dino Babers, who'd have thought when he was hired, he was hired with Mark Rick, <laughs> uh, Bronco Mendenhall, and Justin Fuente. Uh, I was actually on a radio program that summer, and I was asked about the other three who I think was best hired. I said, I think Dino Babers is the best fit, and you haven't mentioned him. Um, now, all those other guys are gone, uh, but that all said um, – Dino Babers seems to have a um a habit of survival, like my namesake in the movies does. Uh, he just seems to make it from year to year. And Syracuse isn't a program where. I mean, when we were growing up, Jason, Syracuse was a proud program. Uh, it had it was a running back university. Yeah. They had churned them out. They had Heisman Trophy winners. Uh, how times has changed, and their expectations are just to get to a bowl game and. Right. Um Dino seems to have trouble getting them to that. So I I don't see Dino making it past this year and um but I think Jeff Collins is even worse situation in Georgia Tech. Uh the schedule has nine teams winning records from last year. Wow. Um and it's yeah, I I, I don't I can't think of a tougher path to keep the job than Jeff Collins has. Do you think uh, Mac as far as Mac Brown?
1: I mean, do you think Mac Brown with his age becoming a factor, you know, he's done a good job kind of reestablishing North Carolina, but they've not really gotten to, you thought with Sam Howell, they would get there, but they didn't. Do you think if he, again, if he, if he flounders again, another seven and five, eight and four kind of year, they just say, you know what, Mac might just say, I'm going to retire. and Let's bring in a, a fresh set of eyes and a fresh, you know, younger, a younger staff
0: and all that stuff. I think age was always a factor and they hired Mac Brown. I think he was more bringing the program stability right. uh until they could find a, a a permanent direction. I think Mac was glad to do it. I think he'd been um he's I mean, been What great was he doing? Since?
1: He's been good for Yeah. Him. Fundraising stability. Yeah.
0: He he may be the best coach they've ever had in two different runs. Mm-hmm. So I agree. Uh, he's done a lot for them that said. Um, I I think what North Carolina is waiting to see is what happens with all this realignment stuff. Right, what goes on with this, and then they know who who to hire, which uh, so they know which direction they have to go. Right. right now, Mac is just he's just glad to do the job. Uh, he's not going to embarrass you. Uh, he's going to keep your co- program competitive. I don't know if they'll ever really get to that ten win season mark. Um, with with him, I don't. I think that that train is probably passed but right now Mac Brown is kind of a holding pattern or until one day he wakes up and he just says, "Yeah, I think I want to do the per- permanent retirement thing." Right. No, I'm with you. All right, let's get to
1: some sleepers and some predictions. Give me a sleeper team or two in the conference. Like I, sounds like you like Virginia a little bit. Give me another sleeper team like- that you that you, that you like that could that maybe not win the win their when their division but it's going to be a pain in the neck to everybody.
0: Boy, my other sleeper team besides Virginia had to be up. I like Louisville. Okay. I like the Cardinals. Uh, I don't know if you've seen what Scott Saturday was done in recruiting the last few years, but he's sneaking up on people. And uh, what I want people to see is actually a game when they play a FSU on a Friday night at home. Uh, I want you to see how he just owns these ACC defenses. Uh, I think they're going to um, – I. I look at the schedule Uh I, I think it's lined up right. They, they don't have, um, they don't have any back-to-back tough games. Uh, they have the right amount of uh, senior leadership on the team. Yep. Um, uh, Satterfield has been there a third or fourth year. It's stable. The program is, is resounding. Uh, and people are just kind of, yeah, okay, it's Louisville. I think you're looking, you could be an eight, eight, four, 93 team that, uh, out of there.
1: All right, all right. Let's let's get give me some predictions here. Let's look at the Atlantic Atlantic Division. Do you think it's Clemson, North Carolina State, or who, 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 is it a runaway for Clemson, or do you think it's competitive?
0: It's not a runaway. Um, it seems like it, I, I, I'm going to go with Clemson just because I know their quarterback situation is more stable than it was last year. Right. Uh, they have options there now. Uh, they still have that cast iron defense. Um. That will make your mother cry, but um, NC State, uh, Dave Dorn, I think has has stacked a team as he's had ever. This is it. I mean, he is. I uh, I think he's got the best quarterback in the conference. Uh, his he's he's too deep on on both lines. Yep. Um, they don't have the superstars that that uh, the five as many five stars as Clemson does. But they have a lot of four stars over the place that have panned out. Yep. Um, the only thing that hesitates me for NC State is they have to go to Clemson. They have to go to Death Valley. Um, if they pull that out, it's uh, it could be New Year's Day for them. Um, but I think Clemson uh, on the whole is just too strong, and I think um, uh, it, it's not a runaway. It's going to be. That's the game of the year. That's the game of the year in the ACC. I don't care who Clemson plays in the title game. That's really the title right there. Because in the other division, uh, while I'm picking Miami to win in that division, um, I don't think Miami has enough depth, um, and I don't think they and Van Dyke doesn't have as many passing options. It's just there's just not enough there for me to say stay on the field for more than three quarters with either nc state or clemson so i like clemson to win their division i could win the conference um i think they're back on top and remember this
1: is remember both coordinators are gone at clemson venables left to go to oklahoma Elliott obviously went to virginia so they got two younger they 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 promoted from within for for the jobs brandon streeter is going to be calling plays first time he's ever done that Obviously, Dabo will be involved in that, I'm sure, heavily on the offensive game planning and all that, but new defensive coordinator, new offensive coordinator. So from a coaching perspective, a little bit of transition, and again, not much because they've all been there, but a new set of eyes, a new set of ears, and and ultimately the new guy calling the play. So that will be interesting. And obviously, with the quarterback situation at Clemson, that could be volatile. If you remember, you know, when uh, Trevor Lawrence won the, you know, when he, he didn't start immediately for his freshman year, it took him about that third game at AM before Trevor Lawrence was in the game. So you might have a similar mm-hmm. situation if DJ doesn't play well and there'll always be DJ looking over his shoulder. Every time he throws a bad ball, Uh Oh, is this the time? So uh, be that, that dynamic and that team dynamic in the locker room will be interesting to see how Clemson handles that, but you're right. NC state give Dornan a cr- credit. He's put together a very, very good program. When's the last time NC state's been preseason number 13 in the country It'll been a long time. So uh solid coach. He he's a team builder, in my opinion. He does a lot with he does a lot with the three and four star kids and develops kids
0: very well in Raleigh. All right. So Chris,
1: you like Clemson in Miami. You like so you like Clemson to get to do you think Clemson's a national title? Playoff contender? You think they're just going to win the ACC and kind of be the fifth or sixth team left out? What do, you, what do you What do you think Clemson can can get in the final four?
0: Well, there's no Georgia in the schedule this year, starting out. So, yeah, I do. I like them in the playoff. Uh, I don't see uh, any major hurdles in the in the schedule. Um, I, I think the the schedule starting out is not too challenging. Is enough to find out if DJ is going to have it or not. Um, it's hard to pick them to win even to win a national title if they have to go with a true freshman quarterback. Right. Um, but um, everything else. I mean, I know the coaching staff you mentioned is in transition, but if I have to pick between the, the horses and the jockeys, I'll pick the horses. <laughs> um, right. I'll take secretariat every time. I got you. So, gotcha. so uh, yeah, they're definitely in the playoffs. Um, there's. Yeah, the inexperienced quarterback may may separate them from Alabama, though. All
1: right, last th- last thing and I'll get you out of here. Give me a either a true freshman or a transfer that's going to make a big impact in their first year at their new program. Give me give me a couple names of either one. Maybe give me one transfer and one true freshman, guys. You, we've mentioned the quarterback at Clemson potentially. Let's pick another one. Give me a true freshman skill player or defensive player and a transfer kid that could make a huge impact at their new school?
0: Oh, uh, let's see. Um, I think a guy who's going to make a major impact as far as a transfer, I like Micah Pittman, a uh, transfer from Oregon to Florida State. Okay. Uh, they've, they have been lacking in the return game for years. I don't know how many times uh, have you seen um, – uh punches go get just dropped or not drop but just watch him roll for 20 yards not return Pittman's not afraid to return a kick yeah he's gonna he's gonna make special things very exciting in Tallahassee um and remember Pittman is the brother of Michael Pittman
1: Jr. the receiver for the Colts the dad was an NFL running back for the Buccaneers Michael Pittman we know so a lot of pedigree and a lot of a lot of good genes
0: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, I, I, I like him as, a, as, a, as an impact player right out of the gate. Okay. Um, you got a freshman a tough for you? Uh, got a freshman for you? Boy, uh, you, you eliminated the guy I had teed up. Okay. I'll, you can use him. That can be your guy. Yes. I mean, you like him. So, yeah. He is, he is the guy. How, how do you pick against a five star quarterback who's second string? Uh, behind a guy who hasn't proven himself, right? Um, and I, 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 don't know. Do you, everything, as I just stated before, the photographic memory, the, the arm strength, the performance yep. in spring camp. Um, how do you pick anybody else above him? I don't. I don't know how you can go ahead of that. So that's absolutely my guy, Jason. And um, there's a lot of good freshmen coming into this this league this year, but. Nobody has a, is in position and the ability to make the impact he can make.
1: All right. Tell everybody where they can find you online and on social media.
0: You can find my team at accnation.net. Uh, uh, we're also at accnation on Twitter. My personal handle, if you'll reach out to me, is at ACC midnight inc.
1: He is the midnight rider, brother, like Dusty Rhodes back in the day.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah no dusty rose nobody could bleed like dusty rose (laughs) (laughs) well man
1: great great insight chris appreciate the time i know uh you had a a challenging morning first day of school for the kiddos and all that good stuff so good luck with that your high schoolers and uh have a great acc scene we'll definitely check back in with you down the road man thanks for thanks for the time
0: thanks jason all the best You
1: got it. All right. Appreciate you finding us on the powers on sports podcast. Have a great weekend and we will see you next time on the powers on sports podcast. Thanks again for listening to the powers on sports podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate and review on whatever podcast platform you are hearing us tonight. Remember you can reach out to us on Twitter at jpo sports. So we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, suggestions for future episodes. And again, thanks for all the support. Remember to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and we'd love to see you back next time for the next episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week.